Hey everybody, welcome to Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I am your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. <laughs> this, uh, I got somebody making faces at me. He's making his meanest, baddest metal face. Uh, yeah. Who, who goes there? So, who who are you? What are you? Why are you here? What are you uh, doing? I'm here to talk to you. I'm the idiot we, that you were talking about on Twitter. Who invited <laughs> you back? <laughs> I told you we were done after last time. Yeah, that was supposed to be it. But desperate times, I guess, man. <laughs> Jason Long, welcome back to Metallicast. Third time now. Third time. Does that make me like uh, a veteran? Yeah, only a couple other people have been on more than twice. Uh, nice. Richard S. He has been on a few times, and Nick Makoviak now has been on, I think, three times. So you are, I think, the third one to be at number three. This yeah. is like when people come and host SNL, you know? You, they get, you know, after they do a certain amount of times, you know, they get held up on the pedestal. So you're in rarefied air yep. right now. I'm up there. I'm like Bill Murray. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, this is exciting because you were a part of In Summer for All last summer. You came on yeah. to talk about Dire Z. That was your first appearance on the show. And now you are back for part two of Metallicast Black Summer, my weekly 10-week chronological track-by-track breakdown of... Uh, I guess I'll call it the infamous black album since I made that typo in my description <laughs> and I got called out for it. <laughs> Is this my fourth time? Is it your fourth time? Did we do one about the Super Bowl? I know we did one about I think that black was roped Higgins. I think that was roped into Dire Z, the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. I I was cuz I was trying to think of that today cuz I was like he's been on to talk about the Super Bowl petition. Yeah, so for if, if for some strange reason you've not been listening to past episodes, first of all, drop what you're doing and go listen to all of them, because um, this is a masterpiece of a podcast that should be listened to from start to finish. Uh, so just, you know, quit your job, uh, do not sleep, and just catch up as soon as possible. But, uh, Jason, you were the one behind the petition uh, to get Metallica to perform for the Super Bowl halftime show, which obviously did not happen, but uh, it resulted in the night before in uh, San Francisco, which I think was a way cooler uh, event. Yeah, uh, yeah, like like we had talked about. Yeah, I, I think it ultimately it ended up being better that they got to do a full show at yeah at AT and at AT and T Park. Yep, um, that show was not infamous. Did you? The description. People wanted to jump on my throat because I made a little typo, and now. But infamous black album. I yeah, I wrote the infamous black album, but well, you know okay. it's not really. The, right, I'm, I'm but it could it I'm could be infamous, I guess, to some. It is a hundred percent because you remember probably at least I think I'm a little bit older than you, but when that came out, everybody's older than me. Everybody's older it, than me. I'm just a wee. Really? I'm just a wee little baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, but well, I can tell you when it came out, it was divisive. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. So yeah, infamous is probably a pretty good word to use, I would say. So you know what? Not a typo, just genius. That's you right. Know, there's a That's clever right. line between yeah. clever and stupid. Spinal Tap taught me that. <laughs> I'm going to walk that tightrope, man. <laughs> hey, is that an FNM shirt you're wearing? It is. Do you like? That's and sweet. Yeah. I got this when SM first came out when I was like in middle school. And I've been huge since then. So it still fits. <laughs> Dude, it still fits you. That's good, man. If you got something from middle school, it fits you. That's. Well, I mean, I was obese in middle school, and I'm still obese, so it works out. <laughs> it's, do not let uh, do not let it fool you. I'm not in middle school shape anymore. <laughs> no, it's a little well, bit more snug too. But I mean, I, I can make it work. I can make it work. Um, so you you know, so let's talk about the infamous black album because uh, you you know you make a, a good point. Was the vice of album, and I and I brought that up a little bit in episode one when I talked about Inter Sandman. Um, you know, this is people talk about Metallica as sort of two halves of their career: uh, pre Black album, post Black album, and when really at this point we should probably be divided into like thirds, probably realistically. You know, like eighties, nineties, two thousands. But most people yeah. look at. Uh, pre-black album post-black album so what is do you remember where you were when you first heard the black album were you a metallica fan when it came out not to date yourself were you did you discover it later on um what was your entry point with this album oh i knew i knew the one video and that got me interested um so then the first CD I ever bought was Injustice for All. Um, then, you know, back then it was different. We didn't know when albums were coming out. You know what I mean? And right. you didn't know really anything about it until you saw the video on MTV or um, something in the local record store. There was a poster maybe or something. All of a sudden it would show up and, and would say, hey, on August 2nd, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, so I remember, I remember my friends and I really liked Injustice for All, and then, uh, and then, and then Sandman came out. Yeah. And it was that, and that was the the holy shit, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like wow, this is you know the video was dark, the, you know the creepy old man and the and the the truck following the yeah. kid. Yeah, the snakes on the floor and the riff was just incredible. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, all of a sudden it wasn't just us in you know in middle school that were listening to it. It was us and a bunch of other people too. But, right. but yeah, that was that that was my introduction to it. Yep. And I and I feel like that's part of for those who have a problem with this album. I feel like that's part of their problem. Like they were not able to accept the fact that their little band made it big. You know, because it was no yeah. longer their thing. It was no longer this cult thing. It had outgrown them. It had become something completely different. And it really became uh, some kind of monster, if you will. I saw what you, I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that was... Um... And then, of course, it... Uh, sonically, it sounded very different from yes. anything they'd done. Yeah. 
Um, it it was obviously very radio friendly. Yeah. From from the aspect, well, I don't want to say it was radio. Nothing else matters was radio friendly. Unforgiven was radio friendly. But I mean, on the surface, a song like Enter Sandman or um, especially like Holier Than Thou and those aren't really radio songs. They kind of had to really knock some doors down again, yeah. you know, to get that kind of stuff on the radio. I mean, it had to be that good, you right. know, or else it, or else it may not have been on the radio. Well, I mean, and something I touched upon in part one was, uh, you know, related to that point is when these songs were released to radio when Intersamen came out to radio, there was nothing else on radio that sounded like that. You know, it was still right. the heaviest thing that, mainstream fm rock radio had picked up and you know i think you can credit the black album a lot for what came after whether that was you know megadeth having uh the number two album in the country or you know pantera topping the charts several years later or you know the success of you know for better or for worse the success of like the new metal bands in like the late 90s and you know i do not think you have you know, Megadeth, Pantera, Corn, those heavy bands topping the charts without this album bridging no. the gap between the underground and the no. mainstream. No, there's no way you would have because if um, I always I always use my dad as the as the example. Like uh, my dad listened to classic rock radio stations at the time, so he was listening to he you know when you got in the car with my dad you were listening to. Uh, Boston and Foreigner and Led Zeppelin right. and, uh, you know, whatever was on the, the classic rock channel at the time. And that when when Sandman came on, you know, it kind of made you nervous to play it in front of him because, you know, he was probably going to make fun of it or something. But but he liked it, Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And so then that kind of opened the door to start letting that in, at least, you know, at, at least in my opinion, that's kind of right. the way the 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 channel was so to speak right and i mean i remember you know i could listen to you know battery i could listen to dyer's eve and now that my like parents would hear it and despise it but it was definitely not for them definitely out of their wheelhouse you know and right then, but they could hear you know into sam and be like oh that's a catchy song nothing else matters you know they were like that's more in their wheelhouse you know it's more in line with this sort of classic arena rock mm-hmm. yeah and uh yeah i i yeah i, I definitely the hell is that um hang tight just a second for me yeah no problem oh Sorry, man. There was something outside. This big thing was going by the window. I'm like, what is that? Ah! It's somebody carrying a mattress to another apartment. My bad. <laughs> it, it just freaked me out it's, for a second because we were having some really the, bad weather. It's yeah, just the Metallicast that... militia. They're there to record with you. You know, I, I released your address out on Twitter. I hope you're not upset. And uh, they're all oh, lining up at your door. <laughs> Yeah, it's good, man. It's good. Or maybe, or maybe, don't freak out on me. Maybe it's the Sandman. Ah! That's why it's a bed. (laughs) 
That's why they're carrying a bed. Okay. Sorry, man. Yeah, that was. Uh, I had to look and see what neck that was. Um, because no, it was like good. covering I, the I, window. Like I'm probably not going to even edit that out because it added suspense. You know, there's not a lot of suspenseful moments you can have with Metallica podcast, and there we were. You know, <laughs> adding right, a little so horror with our Metallica. <laughs> so for everybody who's listening, I'll tell you what happened. I'm sitting here. I'm talking to him. I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking to Brandon, and out of the corner, directly across from me, here, directly across from me, those windows right there. I'm looking out the windows right now. There are. Uh, it's a bright, sunshiny day. A um, lot of natural it is light now. coming in. Yeah. So there was something completely blocked those windows out, like completely blocked them out. So I'm like. <laughs> And I just noticed it out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> anyway, back on topic, man. False Sorry. alarm. It was just the same, man, as we discussed. Yeah, and, uh, that's all it was. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is funny. <laughs> um, where were we? I think we were talking about uh, Bob Rock. Let's. I forget where we get were. There, yeah. <laughs> so let's get in that direction. <laughs> but be, but I think you know we were when we we're talking about um, the divisiveness of sort of the black album, sort of oh how to like bridge the the gaps. You know, like all of a sudden was relatable to us. It was relatable to an older generation. It was relatable. You know, it it, it was sort of it crossed over mm-hmm. and then crossed boundaries, and that's why it's still one of the best-selling albums to this day. Yeah. Yeah, it's, what is it? Isn't it still in the top 200 or top 100? So I said to myself, and then said on part one, that every month, or every, every month, every week, I'm not even sure what I'm doing here. Is this a monthly podcast or a weekly podcast? Every week, because it changes all the time. Every week I will be doing, I'm going to share the current chart position so i just pulled up the billboard 200 and let's see i'm going to scroll down it is funny to see what is on the current billboard 200 because you have you know like brand new albums and then you have like you know a lot of like best of like you have journey's greatest hits it's not even a new like greatest hits album you know and then you have like tom petty and the heartbreakers greatest hits and guns and roses greatest hits and then you have Albums like Back in Black still on there. Thriller, you know, the huge, the the ones that are really massive and monster. And let's see, let's see. Oh, uh-oh. I, it was in the, it was, I want to say it was 189 last week, and I'm not seeing it listed this week, so it actually fell out of the top 200. That means people need to hurry up and fucking buy more Black Elm. This, I mean, I think I just proved that this podcast is so popular that it's decreasing sales. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, that's good. Um, so that was a bust. Or was it? That was the twist mm-hmm. ending. And I've been dead for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> But I think one of the, you know, one of the reasons why the album was divisive is, uh, you know, a man I mentioned before, a man by the name of 
Bob Rock. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, for for a couple reasons. One reason was his uh, uh, albums that had come before that he had produced, like Dr. Feel yeah. Good by Motley Crue. Um, well, you know, I mean, Metallica in the 80s were the complete opposite of the glam hair metal that a band like Motley Crue sort of personified. And now right. they're working with the man who worked with them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't know about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, I mean, you could go into it with fresh ears. That would have and... really pissed me off like at the time because I was <laughs> not, I was not, and I still am not a Motley Crue fan. I don't. I don't understand the attraction to it. I don't get yeah. it. Well, and they. I mean, it's they've yeah. gotten worse. Like if I, I've seen clips of them online, like in recent years, and it's embarrassing. Like Vince Neil has like a huge oh. beer belly. He's singing. Not that he always had a great voice, but he's just like completely out of tune. Like it sounds like you're watching like a. It sounds like a, like a mediocre to bad bar band covering Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just the worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know, obviously, there is a difference in the sound of the album. Um, some of that comes down to the songwriting, and you know, maybe moving in a more commercial direction, or the band just taking chances. You know, doing a song like "Nothing Else Matters" not something that they would have allow themselves to do before. So it's a combination of things, but the Bob Rock, for better or for worse, it becomes a target for people who hate this album and sort of becomes like, he's either the man who made one of the most classic rock and roll albums of all time, or the man who ruined one of the greatest metal bands of all time, depending on who you ask. Yeah. And, um, the, I, I think the, I think the load albums following it up um, really like like the people that were upset about the black album really lost their shit when load. <laughs> right, you know I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. Like if you were mad before, wait till you hear what comes out in five years. You know, and then you have <laughs> Lars Arkin interviews being like, "We're not even a metal band anymore." We should change right. our name to Alterna, uh, you know, Alternatalica or whatever he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, thank God Just they poking did. the bear, poking the bear. <laughs> yeah, in all, in all honesty, though, thank God they did that stuff. Like, really? Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, because I mean, I, I would not want them to be like, like Slayer and all those bands where they make the same goddamn album Agreed. ten times. You know, Absolutely I mean, what's agree. What's the point, you know? You know, I, I feel like Slayer to me is a band that is boring. I'm not saying I dislike them or, you know, they don't have right. albums I like or songs that mm-hmm. I like. But when they come out with a new album, I know exactly what it's going to sound like. It's just a matter of, um, you know, are the riffs up there with their best riffs? But the sound yeah. of the album is going to be exactly the same. And yeah. Yep. You know, there, there's a there's kind of like a beauty to that. It's kind of like a purity to that. You know, if you look at a band like ACDC, they've written the same song over and over and over and over again. They've made it work. But it, I, to me, I, I like a band that's willing to take chances. And what I like about – one of the things I like about Metallica is that every time they release a new album, 
You know it's going to sound like Metallica, but you have no clue in what direction it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, fully. And like I was, like I was just saying, man, I'm, I'm just, it's one of those things. I'm glad they did it. Like when you look back on it now, yeah. you know, at, at the time we were fighting a lot of wars, you know, <laughs> arguing with people and yeah. Oh man, they suck and they sold out and their radio and they're this and they're that, you know, and your response would be, well, fuck you, <laughs> you know, and it would just go <laughs> yeah. back and forth. And, well, I mean, high school was a bear because of that. You know, yeah. there were, People who were, uh, yeah, right. I, I know like high school was terrible just because of that. No, um, <laughs> that was, uh, that was one of the things though. Like whenever my friends and I would argue about shit, it, it inevitably became about that. And there was half right. of us, well, a little more than half of us that were still, you know, that, that loved the black album and loved everything about it. And then there were yeah. our, our other friends that were like, they're not, uh, they're not as good as, I don't know, name whoever, you know, throw Overkill, in whatever band. Testament, metal church. Yeah, they're as good as Testament. It's like, okay, all right. Yeah, I forgot yeah. Testament was just, you know, just sold out Ohio State Stadium last week. My bad. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was very divisive. There was a lot of fighting. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, for the record... I think Bob Rock gets a bad rap. I mean, it it does not help, like you said, when he does, uh, when he falls up with Load and Reload. And then, yeah. you know, his swan song is St. Anger. So right. <laughs> the band finally returns to a heavy, fast sound. And then it's that's the most divisive album they've ever done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So, um, it's, I, you know, you're if you're, if you're uh, really big into Metallica and you kind of, appreciate or like you know all the albums at least to a certain extent i think you know you have a respect for what bob rock did but if you're one of those people who are pre-black album or you know just old metallic or even if you like the black albums you know there's people out there who are like just the first five you know and then it, it, by the by the time saint anger was rolled around and you add in the whole napster debate that you know that that was the fight i had a fight in uh uh, in yeah. high school, like, oh, you're wearing a Metallica t-shirt, they suck, Lars sucks, what well, uh, just like, and, and what's funny though now is that everything sort of has come full circle, Metallica is playing really good metal again, their live shows are predominantly, you know, older material and new material that mixes in well with the older material, they're, you know, kind of having a new peak in their career popularity-wise, and um, oh, yeah. And, you know, all that. So it's funny because all that stuff that occupied everybody's time and hate was just, it was just a phase. It was just something the band did and moved on from. And guess what? They'll they'll probably do something else again that will get everybody to shit on it. And it'll still sell, you know, 5 million copies and <laughs> whatever I else. Think they, I think they may be ahead of you. And that would be that would be an album called Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> that may be what you're talking. About. Um, Lulu is a fascinating album to me that I really yeah. want to spend an episode dissecting because um, 
I mean, there's just a lot to take in there. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'll try to set you up with somebody who wants to talk about that but one. I, I do feel like this is um, this is probably a good time uh, to make a little bit of a confession. Um, I am the table. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my refrigerator, I have iced honey. <laughs> See if anybody gets that one. That was lame. That was bad. Um, but I, I think it's good that we're talking about Bob Rock because Bob Rock molded this album a lot. He was sort of like the fifth member of Metallica, which had never really happened before on a previous yeah. album. And, uh, and he helped shape the album sonically and in some cases he really pushed uh, a lot to make the song sound like the songs that we now know and love and sad but true which is the main subject of this episode is really uh, a song that he had a pretty heavy hand in when all was said and done um Mm -hmm. if you've ever listened to the sad but true demo you'll notice it's in a higher key and it's at a faster tempo. Yeah. Yep. It's not, it's not, uh, it's, it's faster even than when they play it live. Now. Yeah. Instead of going, dun, 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 da, 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 it's more like, dun, 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 da, 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 dun, 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 da, yeah. da, and it just, mm-hmm. it was Bob Rock who said, slow it down and then yeah. all the songs that they brought to him were in standard e tuning which was pr- the primary tuning that they used over the first five albums there were exceptions like the thing that should not be was tuned down but you know he said tune down a whole step to d so you all what for those of you who are not guitarists or musicians that simply means you're making the instrument sound lower and when you sound lower it has more of a obviously like bass to it as a, and it just helps add to the groove of that song. So it's so going you now going So it has just a meteor groove to it. You remember uh the, you just imitated Jason from a uh, year and a half in the life of <laughs> when they're at the uh when they're at the Freddie Mercury concert. And he's talking about the volume that they need, you know? Yeah, I <laughs> forgot about that part. Exactly what he said about the volume. Uh, it's so funny. I, for, I forgot yeah. about that. Which I think all that means is that everything I've heard and seen about this band is just subconsciously in my brain and it all just comes yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, sad but true. I mean, this is was the last single released from the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, has become a live staple. Um, just, you know, it, you, it's rare that you're going to go to a Metallica show these days and not hear it. It's, it's up there with Inter Sandman and Master Puppets. I'm, it's not guaranteed every show by any means. But 
it, you're, you're most likely going to hear in you're most likely going to hear even a more than uh, a couple of the other singles like wherever I may roam the unforgiven um, it's sort of like this nothing else matters and just saying are kind of the three ones that seem to really circulate the most in the in the set list these days I can't, I, I can't think back to to when they didn't play it I, I don't I don't ever remember it not being a part of the set list. Yeah. Um, since it, since it came out, um, there's been a lot of songs that have taken a tour or two off that, that kind of make you scratch your head. Like when they stopped playing creeping death for a couple of years. Um, the, the fact that harvester is kind of just mixed in a little bit now, you know, it's hit and miss whether you're going to get that. Sad but true has never been like that. That's always no. that, that's like no. from from the time it came out, it's always been in the set list. Yeah, uh, at, at least that I can recall. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I feel like you know wherever I may roam, the Unforgiven. Those are like a couple of singles that sort of circulate in and out from this album. Uh, it's not uncommon for them to play it, but especially in recent years, like wherever I may roam is not a go to for them. Um, no, Unforgiven for years they really did not play it. It's sort of in fact, they're actually yeah. playing it slightly more now than they used to. Yeah. Um, I was criminal that they didn't play that very often. Yeah. I, but, I, I hated that they didn't play it. But you're you're guaranteed almost every Metallic show. You're gonna, well, you know you're going to hear Into Sammy. You know you're going to hear One. You know you're going to hear Master Puppets. There's an extremely high chance you're going to hear Seek and Destroy. There's an extremely high chance you're going to hear Sad But True. Beyond those five songs, it's sort of a crapshoot what you're going to hear. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you're gonna hear bells. Um, yeah. I mean, and and we could probably name like three or four more. Yeah. But but yeah, you're right. Those five are. Yeah, I, I can't I can't remember a time since pre Black album where they didn't play those. Right. Where that wasn't part of it. Right. Hmm. And I I looked it up on Metallica.com and I forget the exact number. But it's been performed over like thirteen hundred times at this point. Jeez, and, it's quite a few. And, right, and you got to think too. Like, it's not like this is a song that was on their first album. You know, it came out ten years into their career. So, I mean, mm-hmm. not that I mean the album's, you know, older at this point. But it's not like it's been outplayed more. I bet you it's been played more times than Seek and Destroy, which was on the first album. Actually, that would be a good one to look up. Let me see. Yeah, I mean, especially I'm going to test that uh, claim, right? Because now. they went through that they went through that phase where they closed every show with Seek and Destroy for a long time. Yeah. Um. There was that was like a that was like a seven or eight year run where that was the closing song on every show. That's um, very true. But. Hmm. Let's see. All right, so according to Metallica.com, Seek and Destroy, to date, has been played 1,558 times. So, it's so they're been, right on. They're, it's yeah, been right played more than time. Sad But True, but only by a couple hundred. And when you consider that it came out 10 years before it. Yeah. You know, and that's when they were playing clubs three nights a week and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah I mean, just, I'd say they're pretty Yeah. Just to get the exact 
number 1,311 times for Sabatru to date. That's incredible. <laughs> I know. And just, to, and just to compare that to, uh, you know, some of the other heavy hitters we talked about uh, in, their, in the live set. So Inter Sandman has been played, let's see, 1,332 times. So not that much more than said, but true. And that's, wow. I mean, and Inter Sandman is the staple since the Black Island came out, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just for one more comparison, uh, Master of Puppets, that has been played 1,629 times. So I was going to say, I was going to guess in the 16 range, yeah. But hmm. it's also, but even a song like that, like there were years where, you know, technically it was in the set, but they'd play half the song. And then before the interlude, they'd go into another song. Or uh, the first time oh. I saw them, they did, they did a uh, you know the master sanitarium, uh, yeah, the mashup. Compared. So instead of the interlude, they went into the sanitarium, yep. and then they come back in for the last verse and chorus of Master Puppet. So they made like a little midley of it. So it was performed yeah. a thousand six hundred twenty-nine times, but you know a chunk of that you know to mix it up and to try different things, it wasn't even performed in its entirety. Because I remember the cool thing about. Uh, the version on S&M, going back to my awesome middle school t-shirt for a moment, was I was like, oh, they played it in its entirety. And during that era, during like kind of the load, reload era of Metallica, that was rare. That they would yeah. play the full eight-minute yeah. masterpiece. Yeah, I remember there was a time uh, where my friends and I had seen them and we were waiting when are they finally going to play all of Master of Puppets, you know, when we yeah. go see them? It, it took a while. It took a couple years. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, now that it'd be crazy to imagine them not playing it now, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, going back to Bob Rock, when he heard this song, do you know what he called it? I'm sure that you do. Yeah, the with this generation's cashmere, right? Yeah, the cashmere of the nineties, which cashmere I always, of the 90s. which I always thought was. was a little bit of an odd comparison. I I get what he was saying because, you know, yeah. cashmere was, you know, it was what it was for Led Zeppelin, but just drastically mm. different songs. And cashmere yeah. was a, I, it was a big song, obviously for Led Zeppelin, but I'm not. But I feel like there's so many other songs that are like more landmark tunes for them than Kashmir. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. When that's not the first song you think of, you know, that's probably not even the third or fourth song you think of, but, right. but I guess, but I guess if enter Sandman's their stairway to heaven. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I think he was going, uh, at least my interpretation of that comment always was that he was talking about the, yeah and the yeah. and then the sad but true was, bum, 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 you know and that's it was just true. a that's very true different era, a different era of different style of music but it still had that march marching right marching troops almost kind of sound you know i thought maybe he that's the way i always interpreted that no that's a good interpretation i think that's probably accurate and uh my only other idea was that he was referencing the fact that 
um, it was sampled in horrible songs after the fact. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Kashmir had the the yeah. Puff Daddy Godzilla yeah. soundtrack song, and then yeah. uh, you know we got blessed with American Badass by Kid Rock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Set up and caught out this stage with my own two hands. We've traveled this land, packed tight in minivans. And all this for the fans, girls, money, and fame. I played their game, and had to scream my name. I will show no shame. I live and die for this. And if I come off soft, bitch, you on this. Are you scared? Ah! I got a smart... One of my buddies is a real smartass, and he likes to always... Every now and then, he likes to say, Hey, uh, how come... How come Metallica never gives credit to Kid Rock for sampling a song like that? <laughs> that was, <laughs> I'll be like, God damn Well, the man. funny thing about I that is like, that, no. like, that's beyond a sample. You just took the song and wrote new words on top yeah. of it. Like, yeah, you changed the words. Like, yeah. I have nothing against sampling. And people can take a sample and do something really creative with it. But that was just like a no-for-note cover with, <laughs> I oh. am an American oh. badass <laughs> over it. <laughs> Tell me if you've ever done this, and if you haven't, and if you're listening, whoever's listening, tell me if you've ever, you don't have to tell me if you've ever done this, but if you've never done this, go do it. Uh, do you like Avenged Sevenfold? Okay, I know I know where you're going with this, because this was in my notes. You know where I'm going with yeah, this? Yeah, this was in my notes. Was it really? Uh, Did I steal you, it? You, okay. finished, you finished the thought, and then, well, I'll let you know. You finish well, your thought, and then I'll let you know if it's uh, what I was going to say, but I think it is. Have you ever heard a song by Avenged Sevenfold called This Means War? Yeah, this was in my notes. <laughs> yeah. If you if you take that song <laughs> yeah. and you somehow figure out a way to change to 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 turn the the vocals down, yeah. You can sing sad but true to it the whole way. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like start Yeah. Things. I mean it is like it is the most blatant copy. Yeah. saw them at uh when i saw metallic at metlife and uh avenged sevenfold was opening up 
I was like, oh, this is like seeing like Barbe Metallica. <laughs> and, by, and by the way, I have nothing against bar bands. I've, I've made two disparaging comments about bar bands in this episode. Yeah. I, I've, I've yeah, played yeah. in my share of bar bands, but uh, <laughs> but it gets the point across. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So so if you're if you're home and you're listening when you're done. And you finish listening to all the back episodes. Check out, <laughs> yeah. check out. This means war by Ben Sevenfold. And and if you if, if you start when when M Shadow starts singing, just start singing "Sad but True" instead, and it'll go straight through yeah. the whole song. Even like the uh, like the vocal melody is pretty spot on. Yeah, and yeah, like the the yeah, rhythm of it, it's uh, like ba 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 yeah ba ba. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's so blatant. Uh, I, I guess. I guess it's a little bit of a tribute to them, right? Well, I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not one who really follows Event Sevenfold, but they're such a big, popular band that when they do something new, you kind of hear about it. And I just remember mm-hmm. listening to part of that album. I never listened to the full thing, but I listened to part of that album because people were telling me, like, "Did you hear that new Event Sevenfold song? It sounds just like Sad but True." So I kind of made my way through a few of the tracks, and I was like, "Oh, this song sounds like uh, this Guns N' Roses song. This sounds like this Pantera song." I was like, "Yep, yeah, that sounds like Sad but True." I was like, "Every song sounded like another song by a different artist." <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I remember, I remember before that album came out, um, I, I'm I, I'm I'm unashamed. I'm I'm a fan of theirs. I I, th- I think they're good live. I like them. Yeah. But I remember, I remember before that album came out in in like promo interviews and stuff, they were making comments like, "Well, this will be our black album. Yeah, this is going to be our version of the black yeah. album." And I'm like, I remember thinking, "Oh, okay, so like all the songs will be like radio friendly." I kept thinking, then I just I didn't actually think they were going <laughs> to rip off a song from the black album. Here's track one. <laughs> Here's track two. Bad. <laughs> Bam, bam. Right. Here's track right. three. No more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know they were actually going to go that far with it. But hey, you know, it's each their own. It worked out well for them. Yeah, and, and they are. Well, I thought it was weird too because, like, they are. Um, I mean, I'm not a fan, but they are like a creative band. They have done original stuff, but something about that one particular album. Maybe that was their intention to kind of like pay tribute to some of their big influences, but some of the parts were a really direct tribute. <laughs> right. And, and, and I don't want to get on their subject too much, but, yeah. but that is something that they had said before was that that album was, um, heavily influenced by the people that they grew up listening to, you know, and right. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, good. I'll use that song as a little transition though, because it even has the pause and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I got it. and I, and you know, we cannot uh, leave this episode with without talking about. I'm going to use it again. The infamous. It's not infamous, but I'm just going to always use that word incorrectly now to piss people off. The infamous pause. <laughs> it's sad but true. I mean, when you see that song live, you are waiting for it, and then you're waiting to do the snare. Do, 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 bad. Everybody's waiting for that one more. It's such 
uh, it's such a small thing. It's such a simple thing, but it's so clever and so well done. It's just such a great yeah. hook. It is. It is that um, that uh, that riff is uh, man. That just uh, if somebody said, okay, we're we're going into a situation where things are going to get bad, and yeah. you may have to fight your way out. What song you want on the headset before we go in? Probably going to pick that that song. Yeah. Like legitimately probably going to yeah, pick yeah. that song because because then I start having visions of when they used it as the uh as the as the as the song that they played during the montage of the Montreal riot. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, people in yeah. but again we go back to year and a half in the life of I all, all I can say is if anyone's never seen that they've got to watch yeah. it. Like especially like newer fans um, that have just it's, gotten into him, you know, in the last eight or ten years or so. It's a fascinating piece of Metallica history. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. Fascinating is a perfect word for it. Absolutely. And oh, and and it's so great too because uh, part one, uh, for those of you who again might be a newer fan or whatever, it's the complete recording and writing of the Black Album, and then part two is it, the Black Album tour. So they bring you on the Coheline tour with Guns and Roses. They bring you, you know the Freddie Mercury tribute show and all that cool stuff. Right. Yeah. It's uh, really, 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 it's really good. It's really well done. It's uh, it's a snapshot of history. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's almost like a yearbook from the blackout, yeah. you know, and I, and I, it's, it's really, good. and I feel like too, if you've only seen uh, recent things, it's like watching in a different band, <laughs> like yeah, how they act, so how they right. talk, how, like they're just younger. Yeah. More stubborn, more ignorant, more cocky, more everything, you know. <laughs> more alcohol, yeah. more more strippers, in more everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, you really, it, it really gives you a good, like I, you know, pe- people that are somewhat newer fans, you know, they talk about, um, oh yeah, they're they're big and yeah, they're huge. You know, they play a 20,000 seat arena and yeah, we saw them at this stadium and that stadium. And I'm like, and I always have to say like, there was a time when, when they were, um, you know, people waiting at the airport and people following them to their hotels. And I'm not talking about just some, some diehard fans. I'm talking like, like hundreds of people waiting at hotels for them to show up. Yeah. And that and that video gives you it really shows it to you, you right. know. Or like uh, that, that documentary the um, the uh, the midnight release of the Black Album when they show like the record right. stores and it's just like metalheads waiting in lines like down the street and and this is yeah, not the band to make an appearance. This is just people waiting in line at midnight. I mean, the business is completely different now, so that would never be duplicated for yeah. anybody because it's all you know digital it's streaming it's this it's that but i mean that does not happen to too many people what about like the the madison square garden listening party uh, excellent point yeah the the, the, the they, album they, played they, the, what was the joke i think it was james made the album played msg before they did <laughs> well, they, yeah. i mean can you imagine that a band doing that nowadays, yeah. even them, could you imagine even them doing yeah, that nowadays? No. Hi, we're going to go and we're going to rent out the, uh, most famous arena, most famous sports arena in the yeah. world. 
And we're just going to have people come in and listen to our new record. <laughs> it was a free listening party. <laughs> Did not cost anybody to yeah, get in. Okay, so are you guys going to play? Or are you going to? No, we're just going to play the album. Let everybody listen <laughs> yeah. to it. I always <laughs> wish I was there because, like, if imagine like listening to that album and you get to like nothing else matters. Like you, it, there must have been so many confused people <laughs> when that song came on. <laughs> Or even even then, like um, my friend of misery. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some other ones too. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. People were sitting there going, "Well, this is different," you right. know. Yeah. And I and speaking of different, you know, I think "Sabatru" was a different sounding song for them. It had the down tuned guitars, which they've not really done before, and it was one of the first times they really had a big element of groove. Um, and you know, it groove has become such a staple of their sound now. Uh, we have like the, the, between load reload and a lot of, even a lot of those stuff on like hardwired self-destruct just has like a great groove. Um, but you really hear it for the first time on Sabbath true. Not that there weren't no examples before this, but it's, I mean, the whole song is based around the single groove. Yeah. It it reminds me, uh, without the big din and in and in a hook part, it it definitely reminds me though still a lot of now that we're dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that the way it just just right from the beginning it just starts out chugs you know it chugs right from the start and you just kind of you can just bob your head along yep. to it you know. And, well, I mean, and that's the uh, I, and that's the thing though that that speaks volumes about Sabbath True as a song is that everything that comes after it, whether it's by Metallica or another band. Anything in that vein gets compared to Sabbath True. Like people, like right. Dream No More is a great song, but people have compared That's that right. to Sabbath True, you know, because it has that same feel. That or, yeah. um, That's very good comparison. And, but it, everything's just in, in production, sonically, and just song quality, everything gets compared mm-hmm. to this song that's over 20 years old now, you know? funny how it worked yeah. out but it's just yeah. it's just such a staple now such a monster um and uh really was like i said a very different sound for them at the time mm-hmm. and i think that's easy to forget because it's become such its own thing and metallica has done so much since then but i mean when you think back to the first four albums how many songs if any can you name that are in line with the sound of sabbath true um in the sound no um the structure i guess would be the word i'm trying to think of but the the way that the song is put together um maybe something like thing that should not be maybe even kind of harvester of sorrow yeah so i mean you could name a few songs that are in the same vein as sabbath true you know but it really sort of establish itself as its own thing the first time you hear it Mm -hmm. and very different and separate from what came before i think it i think it was always you know something in their dna and they sort of hinted at it but just went full throttle with it on sabbath true um especially after bob rock made that suggestion you know to tune down and slow down yeah and uh and again that's in uh, a year and a half in the life of check it out if you 
you know, everybody at home, especially like I said, if you're newer fans and you haven't seen that, it's uh, fascinating. Fascinating is the, is the perfect word for it. Yeah. And I do want to make sure uh, before this episode is through that we touch upon the lyrics of Sad But True. Oh, gee. Yeah. Yeah, it, um, it it's uh, pretty dark. Yeah. Um, darker than one would think even okay. upon uh, – darker than one might think think upon like first listen even when you but when you really look at the words you can tell it's coming from a dark place my cat's now doing stupid stuff <laughs> <laughs> i mean i can't catch a break man i'm telling you by the way my cat you know what his name is huh his name is james catfield <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so dark yeah dark lyrics dark lyrics you're absolutely right yeah it's not it's not as dark as uh like you like you and brian were talking about it's not as dark as infanticide right but or as but dark it, as inter salmon almost was which was also about infanticide yeah, yeah yeah totally yeah people don't realize that stuff that's uh uh that's the uh, more of the stuff that i love finding out yeah. you know just being kind of a junkie so to speak you know yeah. wanting to know all that info and you know speaking of junkie sort of uh based around a lot about you know his person the personal demons that james hatfield not catfield uh had <laughs> and he's kind of being a little subtle about his own addiction and uh the addiction he's seeing around him um i saw i found a clip from, I definitely saw it back in the day, but completely forgot it was ever a thing. Uh, there was an Ultimate Album series on VH1, and they did an episode about the Black Album. And it was from the St. Anger era, so it must have been like 2003 or 2004. So it's, you know... I have that DVD. Do you? Yeah, I have that. And, yep. it, and it's just... Um, it, and he's talking about... And James is talking about the... Um, lyrics to Sad But True and just sort of about how it was a reflection of addiction. And Kirk was saying how, you, you know, something that they all could have related to in some level there because, you know, he was drinking a lot. This is the era, uh, you know, the Justice and uh, Black Owl when Lars is drinking a lot and experimenting with cocaine or whatever else he was doing. And uh, so it was just mm -hmm. sort of, you know, like we, like you said before, it, when you watch a year and a half life of Metallica and it shows like the complete excess that they were uh, going through the time, you know, this was the peak of that. And then they were just about yeah. to explode to, you know, superstardom. So it, yeah. yep. fortunately they were, they kept, they, you know, grounded themselves and came back from it and it were just sort of, and now they're the band that we know today, but, uh, sad right. but true kind of a chronicle of, uh, addiction and what um not just Hatfield but they all were sort of going through at the time yeah I mean for the you know think about it this way for since since Death Magnetic 2008 maybe even a couple of years before that we've known there's been the moniker of Papa Head right you know James James is this you know elderly wise 
fatherly kind of figure to everybody. Complete with dad jokes. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you, but if you see if 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 you're not aware of, um, and you're interested in the history of this band, uh, there was a time when James was an absolute animal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. from from partying to girls yeah. to I mean, just a you know rock star life to an excess yeah. you know and that's um you know i wonder i wonder if when they when he wrote the lyrics to that if he had his own life in his in his head or if he was projecting it onto someone else maybe yeah but but subconsciously it was actually he was talking about himself right um i don't know it's uh well that's what's ironic about it, you, you can, sorry no, no, I was just going to say you could probably get into a really deep philosophical conversation about that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two points. that You know, like a song like Master Puppets is, again, him writing about addiction, but sort of how everybody else around him is an addict and him not acknowledging that he is an alcoholic, you know, and drinking too much. Right. And, mm -hmm. and also during this time, too, I think this is – a it's an interesting time to see James Hatfield in interviews and stuff because of how he projects himself. This is like the peak of like the mighty Hatfield and he's, yeah. it, he's really, you know, knowing what he's went through after that in the years after that and who he is today, you can, I, I kind of look back on it as a fan. I'm like, Oh wow. He's like, really, he's like really just covering. Well, <laughs> He's just putting on a show. Like he, he's really just like hiding the fact that he's like insecure and has all these issues and he's just putting up a complete yeah. front. And even like uh, you know, when you go back and read old interviews or whatever, he's you know, he kind of plays it off as like but like, well, you think we're the thinking man's Melbourne? Fuck you, we're we're dumb, you know, like he's just like, Fuck you, yeah. we're dumb, we're this, we're we're like he's just he does not want he wants to be humble in a way that's like self-deprecating, but not in a way that's like yeah. meant to be humorous. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, he's, he's willing to laugh if, if it's something that he thinks is funny, yeah. you know, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. That's something that, that we could probably do a pretty good episode on is just the life and, stages of the career of james hetfield alone right you know what i mean yeah um i mean like in the interview uh I, I can't remember when it was um i think it was uh back when he was doing that uh that absent movie yeah um that he was in and uh and he and it was part of the interview in there where they was he was talking about um the the headfield of the 80s and uh, and and early 90s and he was saying how now been through being having been through what he's been through with rehab and almost losing his family and everything you know he still wants to be that guy right but he but he just can't you know yeah. he, he just can't do it but yeah. but when he gets up on stage that guy starts coming out you know yeah, yeah. it's interesting uh, that would be like an interesting like study on like 
uh, sure human nature, but just within the realms of James Hatfield. <laughs> yeah, no, it would be. I'll tell you what, that would be. Uh, that would be really deep conversation about just different stages and the things that in, that have happened to him in his life that have impacted him. And you can see where they start manifesting themselves later on in life. Right. You know, it's, um, again, to use the word, it's fascinating to me, to me at least. Yeah. I, I, I feel like. And he's, you know, I, I have uh, a book here with like all old quotes is basically from like the beginning days to through the black album. Um, I've referenced mm-hmm. it on past episodes. It's called Metallica in their own words. And it's just a collection of quotes. Right? But I was looking at some of the ones from like this era, like, you know, 1990, 1991, 1992, like James Hetfield's quotes. And they're just like, they just sound like a, uh, a different person compared to what you hear now or whatever, you know, like, um, right. This is one from May, 1990. People always categorize this as new conscientious band or whatever, but fuck that shit. I hate whiners and I certainly don't want to be labeled as one of them. <laughs> That's just like a yeah. little quote from like, you know, going into yeah. uh or something that has not aged well. Um but ties in with uh what we were talking about before. So this is from November nineteen ninety-two. Our main concern is always good songs, and we've just written a lot of good songs this time. So he's talking about the black album. Also hooking up with the right producer to get them on tape good. I mean it's a lot easier to listen to it as a fuller sound, it's got a lot more muscle to it. As for Bob Rock's producer, well, you know, there's always people who will shoot something down before it's even started, and they're the, and they're the closed-minded ones. They just look at the track record of what he's done before, which is unfair. Though if you do go back and look at the stuff he's produced, it sounds great, even though the songs were crap and the bands were fucking gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but, I can, <laughs> but I can tell you this. He's uh, yeah, 2019. James Hetfield is not going to say the songs are crap. No. And the bands were fucking gay. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. But that's the difference, right, right there, yeah. man. That's the you know, that's the that's the difference between Hetfield of the 80s and early 90s to now. It's, you know, well, I mean, when you and a lot of people don't know that James. When you, you know? watch, uh, you know, live shit, binge and purge the from the Black Allen tour, and he's like, he's like, you know, we want people fucking moving out there. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, yeah. he's like, if you've got fucking arms or somebody's got fucking tits, you can move those too. Whereas now you see him like, we love everybody, everybody. <laughs> when you're eight years old, that's great. You should love the parents for bringing you here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah then before he used to be, uh, so you got that little seat there. Doesn't mean that you need to stay in it. So you know everybody's going to be uh, singing along, dancing along, fucking along, doing something to fuck along too. <laughs> you know, you know, and, yeah. you know, and then they get into the the uh, the justice medley. I mean, that yeah, was yeah. <laughs> uh, it's crazy that we got to see all that. You know, right? Yeah, it's 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 interesting to see you know, the growth of, uh, the band. I feel like there's a lot of bands that you get to see like the musical growth of, and you, we got to see that in Metallica, but you also, if you're like a nerds like us, that just seek out everything and read everything. And you really get to see like how they've changed as people over 
30 plus years, you know, which is normal. People are supposed to do that, but I don't think it's always, um, not always like to the same extreme, you know, like you could say 2019 Paul McCartney, I'm sure is different than, uh, 1968 Paul McCartney, but it's not as drastic because he wasn't being like, fuck you. We're not whiners. (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> the birds are fucking not- gay. <laughs> Fuck that band. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think I don't think 1968 Paul McCartney was you know completely turning a, a hotel room upside down and right. you know and and you know beating up God knows what on the walls and you know. Yeah, I, I remember reading something about. Uh, I think I think it was a quote from Lars Ulrich. And he was talking about how he's like, yeah, we did all the stuff that, uh, you know, bands like Guns N' Roses did. We just, it was never publicized because we didn't have our PR team, like, <laughs> like share the stories with everybody of all of our debauchery and stuff. So he's like, we were never really known right. as like a party band, but other than, I mean, like the alcoholic stuff, but that's, but you know, like yeah. you hear the stories about like Guns N' Roses, it's like, oh, they had all these strippers and they were doing, you know, Coke off this one and then you know through the tv through the window i'm like i'm like i'm sure there were that stuff was going on too but they just did not publicize it (laughs) (laughs) or make it as or make it like into songs or make it into like a music video or you know yeah well maybe whiskey in the jar well that's true yeah but but that's the but that's the but that's the darkest party video of all time (laughs) yeah Yeah, (laughs) because it's jonas ackerlin just uh Showing the withdrawal of <laughs> everything. Yeah, that's good. And... <laughs> All right. Anything else about sad but true? I mean, we talked about kind of you know its difference in sound, the the infamous riff, the groove, the the. Notice I said infamous again. Yeah. yeah, I'm just yeah, going to be working yeah. in it all I, the time. I have it, man. I'm not going to say anything. I'll let it go. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we've talked about the great cover versions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else that you can think of that we're leaving out here about the mighty sad but true? Um, I would, I would close by saying with as far as sad but true goes, that is a it is a massive piece of their history in the – I love what you said. Like I said, I just listened to the one with you and Brian a couple of days ago. Yeah. I love what you said about Master of Puppets and how if someone had never heard Metallica before and they said, give me one song, that would be the one to give them yeah. because it's it's got the speed. It's got the melody. It's got harmony. It's got um, – the slow parts it shows you know it shows shows every facet of what they do right um sad but true i think is another one of those statement kind of songs if you will yeah. like if 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 i okay if you tell me okay uh I, i've never heard metallica and give me five songs not just one give yeah. me five songs that that define who they are I, I that has to be in there for me at least yeah it, that's that has to argue be in yeah, that's that's got to be one of the ones where I say, listen to this. This is shake the foundations heavy, yep. you know, 
and I mean, rattle the walls depth and in, you know, deep lyrics that are out of the, you know, outstanding. And then you've got Kirk coming in with the solos. And the, of course, like you said, the pause that goes into the, the snap and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's perfect. I mean, yeah. really, when you think about it, it's perfect. I mean, it's, it's as close to perfect as you get. Right. And it, you know, and if you look at kind of, if we have to pigeonhole like the sound of Metallica, right? So you're going to talk about the fast thrash songs. You're going to talk about the ballads. You're going to talk about, you know, the instrumentals. And then part of the discussion has to be their groove. And that's, I feel like, like I said before, this is the landmark version of the Metallica groove. Yep. No, I, I, I fully agree with you. It's, um, uh, for some reason, there's this thing where people don't want to admit that they love the Black Album, and they, <laughs> you know, know. they don't want to admit that they love the, you know, they love songs like "Sad but True" and and even "Sandman," you know, and I, I've I've never understood that. And, yeah, neither have I. And to 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 me, "Sad but True" is one of my t- top five all time favorite songs by them. Yeah, I, that's why when you when you, when you suggested doing this and you asked me if I wanted to, if I wanted to, you know, come on and be with you and do, do a song. This was the first song instantly that I thought of. Right. I was like, ah, he's probably already got somebody for that, but I hope not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, they, um, you know, I said, uh, in part one of black summer that, you know, for me personally, I the black album was what got me into Metallica. Inter Sandman was the first song. I was a little kid. I had two older brothers. They had MTV on. I remember seeing the music video and just that was my introduction. And then when I was in sixth grade, Load came out. And then I went back and checked out the first four albums. And right. and I and, but the it's funny, the third album I ever heard by Metallica after the Black Elm, after Load, was Kill 'em All. And I was like who the hell is this band? <laughs> that was a bigger shock to my system than, you know, hearing yeah. nothing else matters or hearing, you know, uh, load because that was my introduction to the band. So I just had a different entry point. And then, so the bigger shock to me was like, what's the song hit the lights? <laughs> Who's this guy yeah. playing bass? That's not Jason Newstead. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, uh, that's the, um, Every now and then, um, on uh, on some of the Facebook groups and and even on the Met Club message boards and stuff, someone will bring up, um, "What do you consider to be, you know?" And I'm using air quotes; you can't see me, but what do you consider to be your Metallica? And yeah, mine mine will always be James Lars, Jason, and Kirk, you yeah. know, and and that and that blackout, that Justice to Black album to Load era right there. Yeah, you know when. When someone asks me what, which you know, what's your first memories and thoughts? It's it's that you know, it's the mm-hmm. coming out in the tight black t-shirts and black jeans and just swinging their hair around and you know, beating the shit out of you for two and a half hours. <laughs> right. That that's 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 my that's our era. That's our yeah. introduction to it. Yeah, and I I said in part one, I said I would Master Puppets is my all time favorite album. I think from start to finish that in my opinion that's just their biggest artistic achievement in terms of just really showcasing what they do best but you know i would probably put the black elm at number two for no other reason than for sentimental reasons and you know these days 
I'm not putting on Inter Sandman, but when it comes on, I'm not disappointed. I'm not tired of hearing it. When, yeah, I don't when they when they play it live, they still, in my opinion, play it as if it's the first time they're ever playing that song. It so it always feels yeah. fresh. I never feel like they're going through the motions with it. They still seem to have fun playing it, so I still have fun listening to it. And you know, and sad but true, and all these monster songs that came off the Black Album are yeah, sort like, of the same way. You know, you've heard you've yeah, heard same. them so many times between radio, between MTV, between your own, you know, just Metallica listening habits. They've they're just these songs are part of my DNA now. They're part of who I am, and I yeah. Cause I, for a while, this was the only Metallica album I had, so I just listened to it on loop, like on cassette, like I just nonstop. Just it, you know, side B would end, I'd flip it back over and start all over again. So, yeah, it. I I gotta rank this as probably my, you know, second favorite Metallica album of all time. And I'm interested, if not to put you on the spot, but where would this album rank for you? Oh, it's it's. It's either yeah, it's either one or two. I mean, yeah. I, I have this I have this weird thing, man. Like where, like when people ask me what's your favorite Metallica song, I'm like, okay, well, I can't name one. Yeah, yeah. I can give you five. I can give you five, and on any given day, that five can be in a different order. Yeah. Um, and it's and I, I feel the That's same true. way with the albums too. Yeah, no, I, I I think I think I've narrowed it down to. To Justice and the Black Album being my two favorites. Yeah. But then I think about Master of Puppets and I'm like, Jesus, it's a friggin' masterpiece. I mean, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. And then I think about Ride the Lightning and I'm like, oh my God, you know, I love that. And so, yeah. but yeah, I would say Justice and the Black Album are probably my two favorites. I mean, and, I'm with you. Even on the. It, depending on whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, even on the one year anniversary show, uh, Ride from Seven Bloody Podcast released his, like, he did like his favorite song off each album. So I did the same thing. But I'm like, these songs are going to change tomorrow. Like, I don't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know if I remember what I said for like Kill em All. I think I said the Four Horsemen, but like, I'd probably give a different answer today, you know? So, I mean, if somebody <laughs> was here right now in my uh, luxurious recording studio, that's most definitely not just my basement and laptop. Um, uh, with a gun to my head and said, I'm going to blow your brains out unless you rank every Metallica album. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> then, I mean, I I would say Master number one and probably Black Album number two. But then I'd be dead because I don't think I could rank the other ones. <laughs> no, yeah. And it, would, and it would change, too. Yeah. It, it would change ten times before you finally submitted it. And then as you were submitting it, you'd be going, no, wait a minute, give it back. Give it back. Let me change right. this. You know, well, and like, it's it's easier to be like, all right, well, an album like Hardwired is not going to be that high on the list because you know all the old albums are just have such a legacy, and it's just like those albums got to come first. But I'm like, but you know what? I I listen to Hardwired all the time, and I love that album from start to finish. So you know, it, yeah. I, it, I, I'm, now I'm like, is the overall songwriting better than the overall songwriting in Kill 'Em All? I think for large chunks of it, it is, you know, does it have, is it going to have the yeah. influence and impact of that album? Obviously not, but no, it's not going to have the sound of it and the, and the raw aggression and the, the young attitude, but, right. but, 
but uh, and and I don't know. I think I've said this to you before when we were talking about other things. Um, disc one of Hardwired is as good as anything they've ever done. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It it it, it holds it holds water with anything they've done. I agree. Disc, disc one. Disc two has a little bit of a drop for me for a couple of songs, but but that but that first CD is yeah. I'll I'll put that with anything. Yeah. With, with anything they've made, I'll put it right there with it. I I absolutely agree with that. And really, the only song on Hardwired, and I agree that Disc two has a couple songs that just are not on the same level as like all the songs yeah. in Disc one. But the only song that I'm There's really the- like only lukewarm about is murder one like that's like i could i can i don't dislike the song but i could take it or leave it and if i had to make a decision like again that that rascal with the guns back in my studio and a gun to my head he tells me i gotta take off one song that's an easy choice that one comes off you know yeah 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 I, i would think the same song too uh totally yeah um, you know what's funny is uh, not to steer too far off the course of where we're at, but uh, before they started playing it live, I feel like I probably would have debated between Murder One and Here Comes Revenge. Right. Just just me personally. But then when I heard it live, and especially when I actually heard it in the arena, yeah, I was like, oh no no, this well, is this is good. This is too good. Well, he, this has got to stay. You know? Here's my thing. Well. Um... The moment I heard the songs on disc one, like instant, like love, instant satisfaction, you know, just instant joy. The moment I heard the songs on disc two, a lot of them, I, a lot, for a lot of the songs, I needed a a few listens to really get into them. Like Confusion took me a few listens uh, to really get into that track. The first time I heard um, Here Comes Revenge, I remember I'm like, oh, that's sort of like a filler song. And then when I re-listened to it, I was like, this is, I love this song, you know? Like, and then Am I Savage was a song that, like, kind of grew on me the more I listened to it. And now, like, I think that's a great song. And, you know, Man Unkind, I just, I I love, like, the Sabbath feel to that song. And then the whole, like, melodic bridge section. Like, I I just think it's great, great stuff. And then, you know, spit out the... Phone is just a whole other level that they've not gone into in years. The 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 change at I think I tweeted this the other day. I don't know if you saw it, the I was listening to it at work, and the uh, the change at like five oh three, I think it is. It's either five oh three or five the, right around the five minute mark exactly. The the change where it goes, where it changes to the doom 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 doom. doom. That, yeah. That's that's gold, man. Yeah, that's yeah, so yeah. Good. <laughs> it's so, so good. good. Uh, yeah. So, I think we did it. I think so. Um, I think we talked about a lot of stuff other than sad but true, but I think it all tied in <laughs> together. It was really good. Yeah, I, and and whenever somebody comes on, I know we're gonna go in a million and one directions, which is why I love having people on. You know, when I there's a reason why. Like, when I record by myself, like I did for part one when I talked about Inter Sandman, there's a reason it goes 30 minutes. And that's me editing clips and this and that and different, like, music examples or whatever. 
Whereas, you know, this, we're talking well over an hour and it's just us talking, you know? So it's, it's, and we, and, and, and we can keep going. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Like I'm, I'm cutting off just so we don't go three hours. Cause I had a three hour episode with Richard S. He, and that was a bitch to edit. And now I'm doing these once a week during the summer. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's one, it's yeah. one thing doing a three hour episode when it's like your only episode of the month. But when you want people to listen to an episode every week, <laughs> you're like, yeah. you want to make it somewhat yeah. digestible for them. <laughs> yeah. So Jason. It's been good, man. I, I got to be honest, man. I, I, I love what you do. It's it's a lot of fun to listen to. Um, there's uh, there's it's it's been a it's been an honor to be a part of it, man. I really appreciate Dang, it. Man, that means a lot. And you know what? I always say the best part about the sign do this podcast is. Uh, you know, connecting with fans like you and uh, the others who have been on the show. And I mean, I would have, we would have never had a conversation if not for, you know, you coming on and me deciding to do this thing and, you know, us following each other on Twitter. Like it just, you know, you decide yeah. to do one thing that leads to other cool stuff. And, you know, I, and now uh, when we meet up, first beer's on me. <laughs> definitely that, then i get the next two perfect <laughs> yeah that's the way that works yeah uh i am yeah. willing to let someone get the first one but i'm gonna get the next two after <laughs> that's a good balance that's a good way to handle it yeah. you know be like yeah i like that i like that style especially since i'll be benefiting really because i'll get the two in a row so sure yeah absolutely <laughs> are, you going to, uh, are you going out to snm no, I'm not, unfortunately. Oh, bummer. Okay. Yeah, I got... I was going to say, that was cool. Um, it's, like, right at the start of the school year. And... Yeah. Um, it's not been said on air yet, but Mrs. Metallicast and I are having a little baby Metallicast in October. No way! And so... Congratulations, so, man. That's great. Thank you. So, me uh, spending money on flight, hotel, and... SM two tickets where it's not the best argument uh with the wife. <laughs> so I did yeah, I did not bad. even go down that road. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So I'm I'm still pushing to um name the kid Heffield. Um, sure. Yeah. she's not a big fan. I've also thrown out well I've also thrown out Alric. Um she as a first name? Yeah, why yeah. not? Um, well, not? She yeah. she told me if uh but her thing is she wants a dog and I'm allergic to dogs, but she said if we get a dog I can name the dog Heffield or Ulrich or whatever I want. So Yeah. She's just manipulating me, man. She's just manipulating me. She's We've like, got... Hey I'm you <laughs> That's good. That's good. It's very good. We have uh, we have James Catfield, and uh, and my my fiance wants Kirk Catmit to be his brother. That's I mean that's so, pretty perfect. Yeah, I've got I've got pressure on me for that. Yeah. Uh, no, Dave Catstain. What's no that? No, Dave Catstain. No, no, he can sleep outside. But he wrote all the riffs. <laughs> Yeah, right. I know. God you, damn it. You, are you gonna, Why are you gonna wait, you're gonna here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna get a cat, you're gonna name the cat Dave Catstain, and you're gonna be the terrible owner 
who sends him packing back to the pound <laughs> on a Greyhound bus <laughs> across country. <laughs> yeah. Jake, 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 Dave, listen, we got to talk. <laughs> yeah. What a story, man. Right. That's a, that's a whole, that's a whole other episode too. Yeah. You ain't kidding. It's a good one. So Jason, where can everybody find you on Twitter or social media? Oh, they're like, this guy is so cool. We need to follow him right now. Yeah. So, okay. So go to, go to at script Ohio on Twitter. And, uh, my Instagram is, what the hell is my Instagram? Oh, it's Jason Long seven, eight. Can I, So it's J A S N L O N G. Then the number seven, number eight. All right. Um, you can let me know if you want me to edit any of that out because I'm going to have the same effect on your followers as I did on the sales of the black home. They're going to plummet. You're going to, people are going to unfollow you now, right? It's not going to boost your numbers <laughs> at all. People are going to be like, Oh, there's that guy that was oh, on that shitty podcast. Uh, <laughs> he knows Tom, the trink, it would say, you know, uh, despite the production values. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good yeah i just say that because i know tom's gonna listen and get a kick out of me saying it <laughs> I'm, I'm sure yeah that's good man um follow Mattel. you don't know yeah. that's back episodes you better go listen to <laughs> right that's why turn this off go back to episode one listen to the whole thing and then re-listen to Start. this episode yeah and, yeah. and download yeah, it a know. second time too Delete it, download sure. it, delete it, and then download it again when you re-listen to it. Because, you know, nothing makes me happier than those download numbers just going up, up, up. Uh, well, I'm sure they're going to be. It's good. It's good stuff. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate it. And please follow, uh, after you follow at Script Ohio on Twitter, follow at Metallicast Pod which I'm also on uh, Twitter and Facebook, same at Metallicast Pod. If you want to contribute to one of these here episodes um, at any point, but especially over the next eight weeks or so as we go through Black Summer, uh, hit me up on social media like Ralph did. Ralph Cavetto, my buddy, who always comes through. No, he's uh... Ralph is uh he's a youngstown warren area guy oh yeah that's that's where i was yeah so ralph is at r cevetto c-e-v-e-t-t-o on twitter and i i reached out kind of last minute and said what are your thoughts on sabatru and ralph wrote a big fat behemoth of a song possibly one of the heaviest tracks known to man had actually added some bass himself in the studio to enhance the heaviness. Check out a year and a half in the life of. Again, this keeps coming up, Jason. Now a live mm-hmm. staple made heavier because they slow it down more. My fave off the Black Album. It's good. <laughs> and, my, and I'm laughing because my buddy Greg wrote, uh, Greg is my new co-host on my new Let's Get Drunk and Talk black death metal podcast called the corpse paint podcast um we we have two episodes out we're available on apple Podcasts, google fansonexperts.com we're on anchor um but we play uh for those of you have not listened and i've seen the numbers and a lot of you have um (laughs) we play the david ellison drinking game so if you want to know about the david ellison drinking game grab yourself uh 
a bottle of blackened or a six pack of internet and uh, put on episode one and then listen to episode two, which is sort of a continuation. Um, but we, it's about black metal. It's about death metal. We play music. We talk nonsense. We get drunk. Uh, but we also make a lot of jokes about uh, Dave Mustaine and Glenn Dancing because that's just what we do. So my buddy Greg on Twitter at Mars underscore VS underscore Jupiter, he writes uh, in regards to thoughts on Sabatru. <laughs> I liked it better when it was called Black Curtains off of Euthanasia. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> He's just saying that to be a dick <laughs> yeah i'm sure yeah uh, good all right okay you win that's a good one um i end every episode with a cover song of course this one's from the metallic attack tribute album uh it's you know each track on that album is just sort of a hodgepodge of metal musicians so sabbath true features Marco Mendoza, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, and Joey Belladonna from Anthrax on vocals. Now, nice. Jason, I end every episode. Usually, I would end it, middle up your ass, yeah! But this time, I want to end it a little bit differently. In tribute to Sad But True. Okay. Do you want heavy? Telecast gives you happy baby. Hi, we're nerds. So what? <laughs>
Fans not experts.